Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Happy holidays, Penn State football fans. Bob Flounders joined at the moment by David Jones down in town, Pennsylvania. He's with his good buddy Kaiser the dog. Dave, first off, happy holiday. Second off, what'd you get Kaiser for Christmas? What was that voice? I don't know. Did you like it? Sounded like John Wilsbach. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you can't say it to me because then he's going to know. So <laughs> did you get him anything for Christmas? It's the mammoth snake biter. <laughs> That's like the biggest chew toy, tug of war toy I think I've ever seen. <laughs> How long will he need to go through that? He's not the kind of kind who takes it apart. He wants to play tug of war. Okay. He will not. Well, yeah, he'll not. He'll not swallow things really. Yeah, we'll we'll wrap it and he'll get a big kick out of it. He just wants to be included. Okay. I wonder what he got you. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait. He'll, he likes to wait till the day of. Probably one of the bones from the backyard. He'll bring it up, <laughs> dig it up. It might be human. Who knows? It could be. It could be, <laughs> it could be a fox. He hates foxes. Do you have foxes? You don't have foxes uh, where you live. A city folks do not have foxes. We got them out here in the woods. They make these crazy noises at night. They bark and it goes <laughs> like, like that. And he loses his mind. He loses his freaking mind. Uh, it's, uh, he hates foxes. I mean, he really, really hates them. You've never heard that before. I've heard the bark, but um, I'm, I've never heard a, a human make the bark. Uh, <laughs> of a so. All right, Dave. Hey, listen, let's talk about Penn state's not new AD, but first year AD Patrick Kraft. You got a nice little sesh with him on Friday. Uh, had some very interesting things to report about maybe some of his vision and his plans, but that was the first time you really had a chance to really talk to him. It wasn't in person, but what did you think? I liked him, but, you know, I, I like a lot of guys who talk a big game. I like people who are willing to win the press conference, even if they don't have they don't follow through on anything they do. I love that. <laughs> and that's the question. Will he follow th- through on any of these big ideas? What, what did you think of him? And in, in, in you, you had the big session in the, uh, in the media room. And you were there, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, and also he was out at Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. He was just getting started. He's an impressive guy, but just listening to James Franklin talk about him, I think that James feels really good about having Patrick as an advocate and somebody who can uh, – he always references the fact that he trusts Patrick to take things off his plate that he feels like need to be done, but 
James would rather deal with some more football stuff. And he thinks that Patrick kind of gets that. And he, I, it, so far, so good. But I, it does seem like that's going to be a nice little alliance. I wanted to talk to him about things that I didn't necessarily think the uh, press corps at large were interested in. But it sort of branched into other stuff. For instance, he's interested in bringing back the idea. I mean, he wants to pursue the Winter Classic. Did you see that? Uh, I, I, you, you would, you kind of had, had hinted that to me a couple days ago that I saw your story, and so he's. It was funny. He said Friday he was talking, generally speaking, about how can we get more use out of Beaver Stadium, how can we get more use out of uh, the BJC if necessary. But he was talking about you know Beaver Stadium just to use it seven, you know, seven days a year. That's it's it really the math doesn't add up. And he's like, you know, then uh, somebody brought up the college football playoffs. And if Penn state ever, if if Penn state ever had a chance to host a game, in fact, I'm paraphrasing because, Hey, look, you can talk all you want about winterizing the stadium. We're going to play at Penn Penn state's got a home (laughs) game. We're going to play it. If I have to flush a few toilets, we're going to play that game at Beaver stadium. And I was talking to my son. I was talking to Nick yesterday. I mean, he's, I don't know that like most millennials who are kind of peripherally involved in, he likes the Steelers. He likes watching the NFL with his friends, but he's not really involved in college football because he didn't go to a campus where they had college football. He went to Bull Park in Pittsburgh. Um, So he doesn't really understand all the arcane uh, details about the new 12 team playoff. And I said, you understand there were, and I'm getting ready, I'm I'm getting ready to write a a, a thing on this in in about a week about you understand in the 12-team system they're going to bring out here in a couple of years, for the first time, they're going to have Southern teams coming north, essentially in the middle of the winter. And, and he, he, he said, so you're saying these, these SEC teams never come up? I said, they never come up here. They, <laughs> they don't leave the South. They, they, almost none of them ever leave the South. Yeah. Um, and that's really true. I mean, when the Southern teams have come up, of course, it's always September and the weather's nice. It's an unprecedented occurrence, really. The Southern teams, the Southern power teams in the SEC or the Big 12 coming north in the middle of the winter to play cold weather football has never happened before. And it's happened in the NFL. You've had Miami coming up to Buffalo um, playing playoff games or, or whatever, but it's never happened in college football. So it's, it's unprecedented. It's kind of cool. And we did touch on that, too. I was curious about how, you know, before the Winter Classic had been a non-starter, essentially because they didn't want to reopen Beaver Stadium. Once they shut it down, shut down the pipes and everything, it's very involved and costly to get it back up again. So so Kraft said, essentially, they'll just keep it open for another three weeks until uh, I don't know that they've done the dates on the college football playoff first round, have they yet? They announced the dates for 2024. Well, they will soon. And I'm thinking it'll probably be about now, like the first round of home home games. They'll, they'll give everyone a couple, three weeks to rest. Then the first round will be around December 17th, 19th at home sites. 12 plays at five, 11 plays at six, 10 plays at seven, nine plays at eight. Under that system, in the past eight years of the playoff and this year, Penn State would have been involved in that four different times. 
in 16, 17, 19, and this year. They would have only hosted one game in 16 when they won the Big Ten because they were number five that year. They would have hosted the number 12, which I believe was Western Michigan. Was that P.J. Flex last? Uh, Those five 12 matchups. No, that's great. That's the hoops thing. Never mind. Anyway, you're right. Yeah. It would have been five 12. Yeah, but he said the same thing. I mean, we're keep, we'll just keep the place open. And the problem really will be the logistics of parking because uh, you were not around for the 95 Michigan game where it snowed 16 inches. Was that the 34 to 8 game? No, that was, uh, I think Curtis Enos was on that team. This was, that was 97 when they won the Big Ten title. Uh, they won the national title, or at least half of it. Half of it, Dave. They only won half. This was two years before. This was the Joe Nastasi fake field goal game where he, he ran in. And, you know, there were <laughs> I was watching the, the Dolphins-Bills game with Nick also, or at least the replay, and I told him, look, they're throwing snowballs onto the field every time the Dolphins run a play. And they were doing the same thing in that 95 game. And Joe ran down the sideline and started going, going like this at all the students. And, and they just started throwing balls, snowballs at him. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Which reminded me of a Michigan game when I was a student at Ohio State in 82. We started a – it was a beautiful day. We started it for, for November 23rd or whatever it was. It's like 50 degrees. And we started a paper wad fight with pages of programs. And it, it, it soon spread into like half of the upper deck in C deck. And we're all just throw, tearing pages and throwing them at each other. When you saw the replay the next morning on WOSU, you could, they had a wide shot and you could actually see <laughs> what looked like a snowball fight. And the ushers up there said, you stop that right now. And we all just started throwing paper at them. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Vicious. That's yeah. just vicious. I don't know what I would be more excited about. I'm actually excited about a winter classic because I do like hockey. Uh, I would, I'd be curious to see in Beaver stadium, uh, how they would pull, how they would pull that off. But I mean, Pennsylvania, I think it's a pretty, pretty good hockey state, and I know I think it would be very, very well received. Yeah, I've had some discussions with guys I know who are either peripherally or seriously involved in the NHL. They're either Flyers or Penguins fans, and the verdict is mixed on whether that'll work. First of all, the sightlines in Beaver Stadium are not great regardless. It's not even like a baseball park. Haven't they had that thing at Fenway and and – They've had it at several yeah, baseball. Yeah, they've had it at Yankee yeah. Stadium, but it's been like reduced. Yeah, and at least that way you have a corner that you can put the rink into, so these people at least can see the game. But in Beaver Stadium, I don't, I, you know, I suppose, I guess they'd put it in a corner there also, and you just do the best you can. You see the game the best you can, and my friends are like, a, who is going to go up in there, especially if it snows and all the parking is on grass. That's just going to be verboten. You're not going to be able to park in those spots. Who's going to deal with that? And then who's going to deal with going up? Which freaks are going to actually go sit in the cold in 25 degrees or whatever to watch a hockey game outside? And I said, do you know these people? I mean, they ice fish. These are not, they're not normal people, some of these people. So I don't know. What do you think? You think that would fly? Well, or I not? mean, if you get, if you get, you know, fifteen to 20,000 people that are interested in going, 
that actually alleviates the problem of using the whole stadium. You could just kind of, um, you could only, you could probably use, I mean, it's so big. You could probably use like half the stadium. There'll be alcohol sales. So that'll be a, that's a big plus for hockey fans. But I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a hundred thousand people to go watch. What do they usually get in a winter classic? Cause it's always January 1st, right? Well, I mean, you know, a, a hockey arena is usually like 17 or 18,000 max. But I mean, if you could get 20, it, I think it would be worthwhile, especially uh, for the newness of it. I think there would be enough people willing to drive from Philly and Pittsburgh and even State College that you could get enough people to make it worthwhile. I'd like to see it at least once. Would you go? Well, I'd probably end up covering it. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you'd, be up, you'd be up in your nice, warm press box with your <laughs> free press food. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, write your, I'll write your article for you. I'll go stand up there with you. Yeah. It's, so anyway, that was interesting that he just came out with that. It's not like I was looking for it. I was comparing um, some other occurrences of, of considering the use of Beaver Stadium. And he just piped up and said he wants to do it. He really wants to actively pursue it. Uh, you could have the Flyers, the Penguins in there, or you could have uh, one of them and say Terry Pagula's, uh, the big Penn State donor, Buffalo yeah, Sabres. Sabres. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he'd probably want to be involved. So maybe he'd flip some of the bill. Who knows? Anyway, that was, that was part of the interview. A lot of the rest of it dealt with basketball, and he said he's very willing. Micah Shrewsbury mentioned uh, a few days ago, you know, the Palestra game is coming up. And I'm not going to be here, unfortunately. I'm going to be in L.A. at the national championship game. It's I think it's January 7, and uh, they're going to do it again. They've done one with Michigan State uh, five years ago. They did one with Iowa uh, three years ago, and they're doing it again with Purdue. Micah Shrewsbury's mentor, uh, Matt Painter, agreed to it this year on January 7th. And w- we got into – why not do some another one of these in some other venue? And Micah Shrewsbury wants to do it. Some he wants to play games in Pennsylvania. I mentioned the Giants Center to Pat Kraft. He said he's never been there, but he'd certainly be open to that. He's familiar, familiar with the Leocorus Center in Temp, at Temples because he he worked there. It's very similar. Leo, have you been to Leocorus at Temple? Uh, I have not. They're almost exactly the same size and age. You know, it's a perfect place for a for a Penn State basketball game. If you had a, a Big Ten opponent in there and made that a home game, I think they'd get a better crowd there than they would in the Jordan Center on the average Wednesday night, don't you? Easier to get to, bigger bigger area to draw from. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of Penn State fans in that corridor. A lot. A I lot. think they'd easily sell that out if they played Iowa or Michigan State or somebody like that. How's Pat Kraft never been to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and the you know? It's the sweetest place on earth. I think he should come to Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we got into also the Jordan Center, which has been a interminable, continual headache. Because I don't know if fans realize this, Penn State doesn't really run it. Yeah, they're, they're tenants. They're essentially tenants of the Jordan Center. And the management is like notoriously recalcitrant about everything. They don't want to do any, any idea. They just say no, you know, <laughs> and, and they're, they're, they're basically a pain in the ass. There was a, there was a time up there. Um, Micah didn't know this and I don't think Pat did either. I, I think 
there, there was a time about six years ago where, you know, they, they, they completely envelop the upper deck with a curtain now. They don't even sell those seats. They started doing that about six, eight years ago, just covering it with this black curtain. But they sold out the lower bowl for a, a really popular game up there on a Saturday. So there's all these seats up there. All they have to do is push a button and the curtain w- would have done this. No, they just closed the ticket windows and left like 400, 500 people out there unable to buy a ticket. That's the Jordan Center management. Who negotiated this deal? I don't understand how they don't. They needed it in order to fund it in the first place. They oh, needed okay. state money, and they, they, they I, I believe, geez, it's been so long. It was the mid-90s, but they decided to do it that way, and I don't think they can unhinge from it. It's basically lock solid, and that's it. Anyway, the problem with the Jordan Center is the seats on the baseline are awful. It extends way back. It's like it was built for wrestling, believe it or not. It was built so you could put eight uh, NCA wrestling mats in there and have the NCA wrestling tournament. Believe, can you believe that? That was a priority. That was a priority. And they've had it there once, once in 28 years life of the place. They've had the NCA wrestling tournament once. So, but, but yet, if you try to sit on the baseline seats, I mean, it's like a phone call. It's like a zip, another zip code. <laughs> and <laughs> you can't see the game from there. So we were talking about he's willing to maybe push the floor into one end. I came up with this and he said, absolutely. Uh, and then and then actually erect like the carrier dome does when once football season's over, they erect bleachers. And play basketball in there and have, you know, 25, 30,000 people if the, if the team is good. You could do the same thing in the, in the Jordan Center and all of a sudden create a more intimate atmosphere. So he's up for that. Uh, like I said, talk is cheap and we'll see if he actually does any of these, any of these things. But he seems amenable to, to new ideas, put it that way. What if somebody accidentally blew up the Bryce Jordan Center overnight <laughs> with no one in it? You can't see that. You can't say that stuff anymore, man. <laughs> they're coming to feds are coming to get you now <laughs> i was kidding for, for those listening, i had nothing to do with this statement i just want to i just want to say right now i am divesting myself from this conversation. <laughs> although i wouldn't be against it if it happened i wouldn't be uh yeah well they're not you know they're not going to start over and he said that they're not building another arena for basketball uh, it's not really a priority anyway. I mean, wrestling is more of a priority up there. It actually is. What do you make of this guy's energy level? He seems like he's always like on go. <laughs> you think there's some Red Bull involved there? You know, guys are on Red Bull all the time. You've been on Red Bull all the he time. Could, he could just be a coffee a coffee drinker, like uh, you know, <laughs> like the, the heavy stuff. Also, <laughs> you know, but it always seems like he's uh, he's he's always ready. Like, to, if you want to talk, he's ready to talk. He doesn't, like, run away from anything. He's like, no, I can't, I can't do it. It reminds me of Magda and something about Mary, you know, when she's, she accidentally <laughs> takes, she's vacuuming under the sofa. You know, I can imagine him doing that. No one's getting that reference with me. <laughs> you love something. Magda was a little weather beaten in that movie. <laughs> you love something about Mary. I do. I do. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA 
or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're getting ready to go to uh, the Rose Bowl. When are you going to go? Uh, the 29th? I think we fly out the 28th because the first availability is the 29th. And got to settle in a little bit. So, And then we come back, I think. I think we come back to the 3rd. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully the weather cooperates on the way out and the way back. Hopefully it's a great game. Speaking of, speaking of the, the Rose Bowl, Illinois was out there once. Ron Zook was the coach, but I think, Dave, here's my segue. I think Illinois' current coach is way better than Ron Zook. What say you? Brett Bielema. That was an involved segue. That was <laughs> that took some twists and turns. Jim Nance couldn't have done that better. Six-year deal for the man. I thought he was the Big Ten coach of the year. I know Harbaugh's team is unbeaten, but for my money, I thought he did the best coaching job. Yeah, you could. You, I'm sure Harbaugh got it last year, right? I'm sure he did. Uh, you could rationalize as these things often go. They had him beat. beat this year, and it kind of got away from him a little bit with the zebras. Yeah, they did not get any favors in that game, and that tends to happen in this league sometimes, and you kind of cock your head and go, mm, the conspiracy theorist in you starts to, starts to work. But look at it this way. He did it in a very short period of time, and he actually did it in two stages because last year, he had a bunch of super seniors in there. And then he kind of had to redo it again this year because he didn't have a lot of those guys. And he transitioned into a, a new bunch of players. He's lost his DC, Ryan Walters, who is becoming one of the youngest head coaches in D1 football at neighbor Purdue. People don't know this, but uh, Purdue and Illinois are actually closer together than any other two schools in the Big Ten. They're only like 90 miles away. Did not know so that. That is, see, you didn't know that. So that, that's, I don't know about Ryan. Would you hire a guy like that who'd never been a head coach to a Big Ten job? I mean, that just seems to be the trend anymore, right? It's not, it's, it's the now guy, not necessarily a guy that has to have like the most extensive resume, but the, the defense the last couple of years was certainly pretty good. I don't know how much. Bielema had to do with that, but obviously, I'm a little surprised that the Brahms going back home. Are you? It kind of reminded me of like the first time they came at O'Brien, and he almost left. People have no idea how close he was to leaving after year one here at Penn State, <laughs> and then he did it after year two. I think maybe Jeff Brom thought it wouldn't look good to to only be in Purdue a couple of years the first time they came at him. I was shocked that he didn't go the first time because that's his home. That's his school. I think they came bigger 
this year. They kind of made a make do hire from uh, Appalachian State the first time. Didn't you know? Didn't work out great. And then they 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 really came at him this year. I don't know that it's necessarily a better situation. It's an ACC school. You're going to get half the money that you do it at Purdue simply because of the TV contract. The the Big Ten TV contract is so much richer. Big Ten schools are going to get seventy million a year uh, during the middle of that contract. The ACC, for people who don't know signed a long-term, a very, a really stupid long-term deal with ESPN that locks them into, I think it's $34 million per school per year. Really or, stupid. Or, or it was. It was just short-sighted and for over a decade, and everyone's locked into that money. They can't, I, I don't think ESPN will ever renegotiate it. Why would they? So you're living at Louisville with, with essentially half, the money for everything, but I get you know you're on an even playing field. I guess you can you can make the playoff now at Louisville since we have a 12 team playoff. Maybe that had something to do with it because you could you could rationalize maybe making the playoff as the second best team in the ACC now, whereas before you had to be one of the four best and it was impossible. So that might have had something to do with Brom's thinking too. It's all it's going to be all about making the playoff on the 12-team playoff, just like it's been making the NCAA tournament for basketball coaches. Now it's roughly the same thing. If you make the tournament, you're golden. If, if Unless you're like a Kentucky or a North Carolina, then you have to make progress in the tournament. Most schools, you just make the tournament, you're good. You're good as a coach. They're not going to fire you. And now it's going to be you make the tournament in, in college football too. And Louisville – I would say they got a pretty good shot at making the twelve-team tournament with a with a better coach, a good coach, because it's not a very strong league, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. I I drifted a little bit only because I just can't get over how bad the Louisville men's basketball team is, and I just shake my head every time every time I see one of their box scores. I know it's a we're talking football, but Dave. They might be like one of the five worst teams in the country. They finally won a couple of games. They started 0-9, and, and this has a segue into something else I talked to Pat Kraft about. Believe it or not, we're coming full circle because Micah Shrewsbury's childhood dream team and through high school and when he was a young man was Louisville. Kenny Payne is just crashing and burning there in his first year they started 0 and 9 I think now they're 2 and 9 they got a couple of wins but no one can really believe they'd blow him up after one year but I mean <laughs> I texted somebody in that area I know really well and I said could they could they fire him after one year and you would know this guy's name and he said why wait that long <laughs> <laughs> that's you you have a, probably have an idea who it is people are not happy so Everyone knows there that if Shrewsbury makes the NCAA tournament with this hodgepodge team they got right now, which is heavy on three ball, um, it's going to probably be kind of a one-trick pony because they don't have any interior presence at all. I don't know if he can do it, but if they go like 10 and 10 in the league and they've got that big uh, scalp at Illinois, they can do it. They're going to make the tournament because their their resume is pretty good. And then, then do you keep – how do you pay up? Do you pay up? Penn State's never paid up for a basketball coach. All of a sudden, you're going to have something of a bidding war, I think, for Micah Shrewsbury after his second year. Penn State's never had to deal with anything like this, a bidding war over its basketball coach. But let me tell you, if he does this, 
he will be a hot commodity and not just to Louisville. Uh, so I asked Pat, you know, are, are you, I wanted to get him on record mainly. Are you going to pay up to keep this guy? Uh, because he's going to attract some affluent suitors. And he said, absolutely, positively, yes. But, you know, we're talking, we're talking salary in the ballpark of what James Franklin's doing. They're, they've never paid that kind of money for a basketball coach. They've, ever, they've always just made their four or five million on profit on men's basketball, which is peanuts compared to football. They, make, they clear 50, 60 million on football. Uh, and, and they don't try. They just, their rationale has been, we're going to try as little as possible, pay the coach a million two or whatever. The arena situation's a mess and we don't care. It'll be a turnkey operation. We'll still make four or five million with the TV contract anyway. We don't care. That's always been their attitude about college basketball. With this guy, it has to change if they want to keep him. And Pat Kraft said, it's not just about keeping a great coach. It's making a commitment to the sport. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, which is very, very different if you go back through all the other athletic directors at Penn State. I mean, Sandy Barber talked a good game, but she she didn't really pay Pat Chambers any more than the rest of them to Chellis or as, as the market bears. Uh, but she did hire this guy, so you got to give her credit for that. I think she fell into it, but she found Micah Shrewsbury. She listened to the right people, put it that way. So it, the last the last couple of decades, it went Tim Curley to Dave Joyner to Sandy, and now we're at at Pat. It's well, been, you can uh, you can you can add in Jim Tarman on the other end and Joe. You know, before that, <laughs> remember Joe was the athletic director in nineteen eighty. It's been quite a journey for the uh, AD ship at Penn State, wouldn't you say? Well, basketball has never ever been a priority. They haven't even believed in it as some sort of figurehead that we want to do well in everything. So uh, we want to do well in men's basketball and we'll pay for it. They, they've never believed in that. I mean, they talk about it, but they don't really believe in it. And let's, let's be honest here. Pat Kraft's talking about a lot of things, but until he actually gets the money to keep Micah Shrewsbury, if something like this happens, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, he hasn't, he's got a, a tough, tough job to get, make the NCAA tournament with this team and even be attractive to other schools. But people are taking notice of him. They're just doing things really well fundamentally. Um, they, they are a fun team to watch, and they just do every fundamental thing well. Believe me, people are paying attention to them. If, if they make the NCAA tournament, uh, teams are going to, schools are going to come out of the It won't just be schools. It'll be NBA franchises. Because remember, he was, he was uh, the lead assistant for the Boston Celtics for six years. I mean, they will have a lot of interest in him. All right. Well, that's a situation that bears watching, and we're going to hold Pat Kraft to his word, I think. We have to. We're obligated to, so we will. One more note, Dave, before we get rid of it. How about Pat Narduzzi getting a former Penn State quarterback through the transfer portal? How about that? Christian Veyu. I always thought Veyu had possibilities. I mean, especially at that level, he kind of reminded me uh, Joe, uh, uh, Pickett, Kenny Pickett, uh, doesn't he remind you of that kind of savvy? I mean, the, the yeah, he's a, yeah, he's got he's got a little personality. He's got a little panache. If I can use that word, Penn State football fans, panache. He's got a little panache to him. The small sample size we saw him, and I think he's a legitimate get for them. And certainly, they they're not going to be able to use him here. He's not going to wait around to be a, a backup to Drew Allar. So why not? 
And it's that that's kind of a sneaky quarterbacks league, you know, the ACC right now. Quarterback friendly league too. They like to chuck it around. Right, right, right. Well, good for him. Good for him. I'm glad. You know, I always wondered how good he could be. He had those moments against Rutgers, but you never knew. And then it was pretty clear that once old uh, once the five star came a calling, he wasn't going to have much of a chance at Penn State. So hopefully he'll get an opportunity. And you know, he was smart enough maybe not to sign at like Rutgers and just get his brains beat in. So. <laughs> Uh, he, he probably picked the right school to where he has a legitimate chance to play, and you know they're gonna they're gonna sling it. What is your problem with Rutgers? Why don't you just get it out there right now? I've seen Dave. I've just seen too much bad offensive football <laughs> from Rutgers. You just don't want to be a quarterback there. You get now beat I up. can't remember who was it that got hurt, and the player. Did you see that last week? Now I can't remember who it is, and he said. I, you know, they didn't really need me. It was Rutgers. We won. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It was, it, was, uh, it was Raheem Jarrett. Oh, yeah, of course. In Maryland. Yeah, the Maryland. Yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> Rutgers. He's honest. <laughs> that was that was freaking awesome. All right, Dave. Hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to you uh, next week uh, for one final podcast before uh, I head west. But all right, Dave. Until we meet again, have a good flight. All right, see ya. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.